It is Easter Sunday and Christ is risen. The resurrection of Christ gives us assurance that every promise of God is true and that God is capable of saving us from anything we endure on this side of Eden. The call of Christ is to look beyond the immediate circumstances of this world and endure all things with Christ who wants each of us to be conquerors with him. And this is something which we must realize as Christians. Christ wants to come live, dwell, and walk with you so that you can have freedom from your sin, that you can live with him, and that you can live a Christ-like and holy life where you're not just going from whim to whim, temptation to temptation, being a slave to all the things of the world that ultimately take us to a place of chaos where there's nothingness, there's nihilism, and nothing of meaning, nothing of value, just a depressing place of nothingness. But that's not what Christ wants us. Christ wants us to look with him towards eternity, to a place of holiness where we can live with victory. Easter Sunday is a day of victory. And Christianity is built on the objective fact that Jesus rose from the tomb. This is not something that is only true if you believe it to be true, something that is a mere matter of subjective opinion. I know we live in the day and age of your truth versus my truth, but in all honesty, when we look throughout eternity, there is only one who is the truth, and that is Christ our Lord. The basis of our faith is fact, and on the truth of the empty tomb rests the truth of eternity. So thank you for joining me. This is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, and I am Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. So let's open up in prayer as we look at our Easter message. Father in heaven, Come and be with us on this morning. Lord, I thank you for sending your son to walk with us, to dwell with us, and to die on a cross for us. Lord, I ask that wherever we may be, our hearts and minds, they can be surrendered to you, that we could have your strength, your encouragement in our lives, that we could feel the real victory of the empty tomb in our lives. Lord, with so many things wanting to have us depressed and to be enraged, Lord, I just pray that we can look to you. We can have the peace and joy that comes with living and walking with you. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28. And I know that in the world there are so many things distracting us. At the time that I'm giving this message, we're in the middle of the coronavirus shutdown and pandemic where a lot of people are panicked. But the church is not meant to be a place of hysteria and panic. The church is not a place that goes from one news cycle to the next, waiting on the next government check. But instead, the church is a place where we look to the hope of Christ Jesus, where we as individuals, we live in a worldview that says, if I perish, I perish. Because we know that the material body that we have, that we are living in, it is only something that we will have for a temporary moment. It is but a tent that is wasting away. We know that those who seek to find their life will lose it, and those who seek to lose their life for the sake of Christ Jesus, they will find their life, and they will find something of eternal value. The whole worldview of Christianity, it is built around a greater scope than just the immediate circumstances. It is built on this understanding that there will be dark valleys when we're on this side of Eden, but God sent his rod and staff to comfort us, to take us to a place where we can be redeemed, where we can be freed, where we don't have to live as slaves to all the things which come to tear us down. So we're going to go to the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 28, and I want us to read through that first morning where those went to the tomb and they found something quite amazing. So after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. 
But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. This is my message for you. And in verse 8, So they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly in verse 9, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And while they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest everything that had happened. And after the priest had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, You must say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this is the story that is still told among the Jews to this day. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, even though some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And this is Matthew chapter 28, the great story of the resurrection. And on this day, we must realize that this is a day of victory. This is something which is an objective truth, whether you want to believe it or not. We live in a day and age where people, they always try to, to twist and contort, and it's all about one narrative versus another. But historically, one cannot make a case that Jesus did not walk the face of this earth. And even when you look at the empty tomb, people will come and say, oh, but the disciples, they, they wanted to carry his body away. He wasn't really resurrected. But these men, many of whom were unlearned men, they would find a terrible fate. In fact, all of them, except for the apostle John, would be martyred. And they even tried to boil him alive. Christianity is not this place where you come if you're trying to avoid fear or find a place where warm fuzzies keep you at night. Christianity is a place where it gives us victory over death, where it calls us to go into those dark places on earth, not to indulge in sin, not to perpetuate chaos, but to walk, to persevere, to shine the light of the gospel, that holiness can come, that victory can come, that peace and salvation can come to those on this world who are needing reconciliation with their God, who need to return to that state for which God designed them. Easter Sunday is a day of victory. And we must never whitewash the gospel and ignore this fact. The gospel of Christ is not an exercise in passivity. It's not a display of docile temperament. It is the great victory of life over death. The purpose of the gospel is not to avoid conflict, but to find victory where only God can. The gospel is the most loving and merciful thing that has ever happened to mankind. And at the same time, it is also the most serious and severe thing we could have ever received. Its desire is to free us from our sin and cut us off from our old selves that we found when we were just living on the way of life. 
But when we look throughout the gospel, we realize that many people did not really understand this. The spirit of humanity had always wanted to find its own way and never really wanted to turn back to God. And we can look throughout the gospel and find those like Peter, who would have never imagined that his Lord would have gone to a cross and suffered. The spirit of humanity manifested in Peter, who lashed out at his Lord in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23, when Jesus told the disciples that he would suffer many things at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and raised to life. When Peter heard this, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But in Verse 23 of chapter 16, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter wasn't looking to the bigger picture. We're in a time in a day and age with everything going on with the coronavirus where people have been basically put in a mindset where they are only permitted to think about the immediate circumstances. And victory in this moment is not doing that. Victory in this moment is us wisely persevering without spiritually crippling ourselves and losing sight of what matters most in life. We can be wise in these moments and still look to a bigger picture. We don't have to sell off everything in the future just to have a momentary gain right now. The spirit of humanity always likes to split into different tribes when faced with moral dilemma. Some will be like Peter, who seek to avoid suffering and conflict at all costs regardless of what is at stake, for they consider it to be good to avoid conflict. Others will be like the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, who they will publicly profess that conflict is a wicked thing, but nonetheless they will be happy to bring about violence and suffering if it is necessary to satisfy their own ends. Yet there will be others who are like the powers of Rome that seek to conquer for the sake of conquest itself, for they consider conflict good as it separates the strong from the weak. However, when you look at all of those different tribes, in none of them do you find the true Christ-like perspective of the world. Christ neither avoids conflict nor engages it for petty ends. Christ came to us with a holy mission that was charged of him by God the Father. Jesus had his eyes set on eternal victory, when the spirit of humanity was only interested in looking at the present with a nearsighted and inattentive set of eyes. The gospel commands us to set aside the endless distractions of the world that call our name. And there's always something that calls our name. We're not all tempted by the same things, and the sins that interest the most may vary from person to person, but nonetheless, just as God told us in Genesis 4, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, that is true for every single one of us. But Christ wants us to be a new creature. We are all called to be adopted into the family of God as a regenerated child, as a regenerated child who is a new creature capable of focusing on what matters most in life and not just looking at the petty things which are immediately around us. In life, we are tempted to indulge in sin, to be depressed, to find value in things that ultimately destroy us. But on Easter Sunday... We are reminded that if it is true that Christ rose from the grave, then we can rest assured that he has the power and the desire to liberate us from our temptations and distractions. Now Christ never told us it would be easy, and his own journey to victory required the pain of death. Jesus wants us to walk with each and every one of us on a daily basis, 
He wants to walk with us to give us the power to say no to temptations that come to destroy us. Sometimes these come within our own mind, and other times they come to us as a suggestion from the world. But either way, Christ wants to be with us, and he wants us to be liberated. And Christian liberty is not freedom to sin whenever you want to. But in Christianity, liberty is true liberty. To be free from the curse of death. To be free from sin and the depressed and meaningless nihilism that plagues our world. Since the beginning, sin has been a predatory tyrant desiring to consume and control us. It has long desired to have power over us by making us fear death and pain. The diabolical one, the devil, has always been trying to get us to curse God and die under the false comfort that we might avoid the sufferings of this life. He has been telling us that at all costs we should avoid the difficulty of enduring life and fallen creation. We should just twist it or tell whatever stories or bend whatever narratives we need to suit our desires so that things are as pleasurable and pleasing and comfortable as possible. But yet, when we look to our Lord... Our God who took on human form, who in the spite of everyone coming to him saying, Oh Lord, not you, not you. I'm Peter. I must be your, your number two. Not you. You cannot go and suffer and die. Spare the pain. Be wise. Stay home. Stay safe. Christ looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan. And he went to the cross and descended into Hades that he might have victory over death itself. If the resurrection is true, then our liberty can also be true. Christ came to us as the ultimate priest, prophet, and king. When we look throughout the Old Testament, we find priests, prophets, and kings. We find someone like Aaron, who would prepare the sin offering as a priest to a people who would ungratefully grumble at him, saying, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. But Christ, he would come and prepare an offering that could cover all sin, and he did that to a people crying, crucify him. We look to others like the prophet Daniel, who was thrown into a lion's den by a reluctant king who could not find justice through the law. But all he could find himself doing was saying to, to Daniel as he reluctantly throws him into the lion's den, he says, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. But Christ, who was the word of God incarnate and the fulfillment of God's law, he came to us and carried a cross to liberate people from a fate that they could never escape. Queen Esther, she boldly said, If I perish, I perish, in Esther chapter 4. But as she put on her royal robes to stop a great evil that was about to bring death over all of her people, we look to see how her sentiment, her role, it is again fulfilled, just as the priestly role, the prophet role, the kingly role is fulfilled as well. When Christ the King, he come, so he wore bloody rags and a crown of thorn as he descended into Hades to defeat death itself. Christ fulfilled them all. He fulfilled all the roles, priest, prophet, and king. And he took all the victories that the people of God had before. He took them to a new height beyond the reach of sin, something that would last for more than a generation, that would be more than just a one-time offering for whatever circumstances merited it. Christ fulfilled all of those roles, taking them to a height beyond anything we could have imagined. And the gospel is the ultimate victory. And it beckons us to live on the way of life and not on the way of death. The truth of Easter is that while the carnal spirit of humanity desires only what it wishes to desire, the glory of Christ came to us to bring 
liberty from our sins and give us entrance into the kingdom of God as new creatures who could experience eternal life. The carnal spirit of humanity always wants to avoid righteous conflict and to focus on the preservation of the self. However, the gospel tells us in Matthew 10:39 that those who find their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. And I'm here to tell you on this Easter Sunday that it is true. It is all true. Living in this truth is what it means to live with the eternal assurance of Christ Jesus. The world wants us to surrender our personal sovereignty, our personal ability to make decisions to the experts of the world who will make judgments for us. But the gospel tells us that we are not meant to just be subjugated to the forces of the world, but instead we are to be individuals who are transformed as individuals surrendered to Christ. And the gospel tells us that if we surrender our lives to Christ, then we will be transformed. We will have a renewing of our minds and not just be conformed to this world as the world would have us. Christ wants to give each and every one of us the strength and wisdom to be conquerors with him. Christ came to us in human form so that every son of Adam and every daughter of Eve could have hope. That every individual could experience meaning and fulfillment. Christ wants you to be a conqueror with him. Let us praise his resurrection on this Easter Sunday. So that's what we've been looking at as far as our message goes on this Easter Sunday. But before we close, I want us to move to a special time where we're going to look at some discussion questions. For those who are here at my church in Jolton Church in the Nazarene, or perhaps you've tapped into our online study guide, which we have there on our website, we're going to go now to look at two questions regarding Easter. And I have a special guest with me here in the studio, Pastor Mike Proctor. Hello. Happy Easter. And Pastor Mike is, of course, my father, and he pastors at Gray's Chapel Church of the Nazarene, but he, he's here at Kingdom of the Lagos helping with different things. Um, Pastor Mike, I have two questions for you. Okay. The first is, if it is true that God took on human form, died, and rose again, is it possible for him to work other mercies in our life? Oh, absolutely it is. And first and foremost, the... Uh, the work of the cross on Christ is the forgiveness of sins, uh, but it's also uh, a work that we must have God do in our lives so that we are free from sin. So these mercies of God, free from sin, is are tremendous. Uh, but it frees us to live a new life, a resurrected life, uh, where sin has died. And then, of course, there is the understanding that the greatest I believe miracle in, in our all of our scriptures is the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Now, he is the king of our lives, and, of course, that goes all the way back to the beginning of, of creation where God created and created us in his image, and we are that, that image that proclaims that this is God's uh, territory, God's creation. And so, with that being said, I believe that even... The resurrected Christ is a is a great miracle that is right there with, if not supersedes creation itself. That it's that it is creation. It's a new creature being created, um, and so God continues to work that this day and age in many people's lives. A new creation uh, from the free, uh, forgiveness and freedom from sin. Yeah, Amen to that. My thoughts on this are, and again, people have different answers to this question, and these are meant to be discussion questions that kind of probe our minds a little bit. When I see so many people who 
will be professing Christians who will say, yes, I believe Jesus, I believe he resurrected. But then they look to things of the Old Testament and say, well, I I don't see how some of the origin stories, some of the the stories of, say, Abraham or even Noah or Adam and Eve, they say, I don't know how those things could be true. Maybe they're just fun allegories which tell us moral tales, but they don't have any material connection. And they'll even look to the New Testament and say, well, yes, I believe Jesus is resurrected, but, you know, all these demons and things like that, they're not really real. Spiritual warfare doesn't exist like that. And the reason why I bring up this question and those other elements is because if it is true that Christ came to us and he was not just some man named Jesus who was the son of Joseph and Mary, but if he was actually God, God the Son, taking on human form, and he died was really dead and descended into Hades and then rose again, then that is a much bigger wonder. That is a much bigger miracle than any of those other things. And and not even close. If God actually resurrected from the dead after manifesting in human form, then why do we hesitate to believe other things? If you kind of catch the logic that I'm saying. Um, because if that fact is is absurd... Um, then it would all be absurd. And if that fact is true, then it is absolutely possible for so many other mercies and miracles to happen in the world. Of course, provided God is is there with them. Um, that doesn't mean that we get to be idolaters and wave around little magic wands and do whatever we want, but it does mean that the power of God is surely capable of revealing and doing great works around us. So the next question I have, Pastor Mike, is, How do you think you would have responded if you were one of those present when the tomb was found empty? Wow, that's a great question. But, you know, one of the things that that we're privileged to is is hindsight. And and obviously uh, vision uh, in hindsight is 20-20 or maybe even greater than that. But at at that time, I I don't know that I would be any different than, than any of the other disciples. I hope that I would be like the ladies there who... Who believed and and uh, understood, but you know there is this element that God kept revealing and the 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 will, the purpose, and they just kept missing it. And you know it might be that I, I missed it then, just like the other disciples. But this is the thing: I think the hope in understanding that they missed it is I think a little differently today than I did really a year ago. Um, or maybe two years ago or five years ago, that God is continually working with me and revealing more to me as I am on this journey with him. But nonetheless, I think this question is somewhat tied to the first question where the mercy of God continues to operate and function in our life and shape and mold us. Sir, certainly. And I think that's a great, great answer to that. It is a difficult question to look at. Um, we really hope that we would be somebody who had faith because you do find there are a few people that, like the ladies who come to the tomb, someone like Joseph of Arimathea or even Nicodemus the Pharisee, there are those who do persevere with Jesus while everyone else is crying crucify him. You know, the 12, one of them's betrayed Jesus, has committed suicide. The other, um, Peter, has denied him and the others are kind of hiding. You do find that that core set of people who you would have expected to hang with Jesus didn't. But at the same time, there were a very small few who still didn't have all the answers. And I'm not saying they were the the best living out Christians, but they did hang with their Lord even through the thick of thin. And 
That's what we need to be. People Amen. who will hang with Jesus, whether it be thick or thin, those who would, would endure. And again, history tells us that more likely than not, we would have been hiding like the, the 12, but we do hope and pray. And we have so many revelations to us now that we can rest beyond that. We have, we have so many beautiful things to build our lives on. Um, but with that, we're going to close in prayer and have the assurance that Christ is, is alive. He is resurrected and he is coming to transform there in your life as well. So let us close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son, that you would come into us as, as a human that we could walk with, that we could understand. But Lord, even more than that, that you would come to do something that we were unable to achieve for ourselves, that you would go to the cross, that you would lay down your life for us, that you would give us the opportunity to be reconciled to you, to return to being the men and women called as your image, to be holy people living and walking on this earth. Lord, I ask that you bless each and every one of us who has heard this message, whether we be in our homes, here in the studio, anywhere we're at in the world. Lord, bless us and draw us near to you. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And on that, God love you and have a blessed day.